Act Three of The Parson's Wedding by Thomas Killigrew. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three, Scene One. Enter all from dinner. Nephew, how do you dispose of yourself this afternoon? We have a design we must pursue, which will rid you of all this troublesome company, and will make no excuse because you peeped into our privacies today. Your humble servant, ladies, gentlemen, we leave you to pursue your fortunes. Exit, careless. Farewell, widow. Mayest thou live unmarried, till thou runnest away with thyself. Exit, jolly. No, no, when that day comes, command the humblest of your servants. Exit, Captain. Farewell, Aunt. Sweet Mistress Pleasant, I wish you good fortune. Exit, Wild. Farewell, farewell, gentlemen. Niece, now if we could be rid of these troublesome lovers too, we would go see a play. Aside. Rid of them? Why, they are but now in season. As I live, I would do as little to give mine content as any she in town, and yet I do not grudge him the happiness of carrying me to a play. Ay, but the world will talk, because they pretend, and then we shall be sure to meet my nephew there and his wild company, and they will laugh to see us together. Who will you have? Tim the butler or Formal, your gentleman usher? I would take Philip, the foreman of the shop, as soon. Let's mask ourselves, and take secret, and go alone by water. Yes, and follow her, like one of my aunts of the suburbs. It is a good way to know what you may yield in a market. For, I'll undertake, there are those that shall bid for you before the play will be done. As I live, madam, Mistress Pleasant is in the right. I had such a kindness offered me once, and I came to a prize with him in neighbouring. And hang me, if the rogue was not putting the earnest of his affection into my hand. Let's go to the glass house, then. I'll go to a play with my servant, and so shall you. Hang opinion, and we'll go to the glass house afterwards. It is too hot to sup early. Pray, madam, go. They say there's a fine play, and a knight write it. Pray, let secret prevail. I'll propose it to the lovers. In the meantime, go, you, and bid the coachman make ready the coach. Secret, whisper said. Twill take. Alice, madam, he's sick, poor fellow, and gone to bed. He could not wait at dinner. Sick? Why, see how all things work for the young men, either their coach or a foot. Master Constant, what think you of seeing a play this afternoon? Is it not too hot to venture this infectious time? Fie, madam, there's no danger. The bill decreased twenty last week. I swear, they say tis a very good play today. Shall we go, niece? Faith, tis hot, and there's nobody but we. Does that hinder? Pray, madam, grudge us not the favor of venturing yourself in our company. Come, leave this ceremony. I'll go in and put on my mask. Secret shall bring yours. No, I'll go and put it on within. Exuant omnes. Scene two. Enter wild, careless, 
Captain and Jolly. By this day you have nettled the widow. The captain neglected his dinner for his mirth, as if he had forgot to eat. When did he oversee his drinking so? Gentlemen, still it is my fortune to make your worships merry. As I live, Captain, I subscribe, and am content to hold my wit as a tenant to thee. And tonight I'll invite you to supper, where it shall not be lawful to speak till thou hast victualled thy man of war. Shalls be merry. What shall we have? Half a score dishes of meat. Choose them yourself. Provide me, then, the chines fried and the salmon calvert, a carp and black sauce, red deer in the blood, and an assembly of woodcocks and jacksnipes, so fat you would think they had their winding-sheets on, and upon these as their pages, let me have weight your Sussex wittier, with a feather in his cap, over all which let our countrymen general chine of beef command. I hate your French pottage. That looks as the cookmaid had more hand in it than the cook. I'll promise you all this. And let me alone to cook the fish. You cook it? No, no. I left an honest fellow in town when I went into Italy, Signor Ricardo Ligon, one of the ancient house of the Armenian ambassadors. If he be alive, he shall be our cook. Is he excellent at it? Excellent. You shall try. You shall try. Why, I tell you, I saw him once dress a shoeing horn and a joiner's apron that the company left pheasant for it. A shoeing horn? Yes, a shoeing horn. Mary, there was garlic in the sauce. Is this all you would have? This and a bird of paradise to entertain the rest of the night. And let me alone to cook her. A bird of paradise? What's that? A girl of fifteen, smooth as satin, white as a Sunday apron, plump, and of the first down. I'll take her with her guts in her belly and warm her with a country dance or two, then pluck her and lay her dry betwixt a couple of sheets. There pour into her so much oil of wit as will make her turn to a man, and stick into her, hot, three corns of whole love, to make her taste of what she is doing. Then, having strewed a man all over her, shut the door and leave us. We'll work ourselves into such a sauce as you can never surfeit on, so poignant, and yet so hot gout. Take heed of a hot gout, your onion and woman make the worst sauce. This shook together by an English cook, for your French seasoning spoils many a woman, and there's a dish for a king. For the first part I'll undertake, Captain. But this for supper. No more of this now. This afternoon, as you are true to the petticoat, observe your instructions and meet at Ned's house in the evening. We, we will, will not, not fail. fail. I must write to Wanton to know how things stand at home and to acquaint her how we have thrived with the old lady today. Whither will you go to write? To thy house, tis hard by. There's the fleece. Do. And in the meantime I'll go home and dispatch a little business and meet you. Make haste, then. Where shall I meet you? Whither shall we go till it be time to attend the design? Let's go to court for an hour. Do. I'll meet you at the Queen's side. No, prithee, we are the messieurs new come over, and if we go fine, they will laugh at us, and think we believe ourselves so. 
If not, then they will abuse our clothes and swear we went into France only to have our cloaks cut shorter. Will you go see a play? Do, and thither I'll come to you, if it be none of our gentlemen poets, that excuse their writings with a prologue that professes they are no scholars. On my word, this is hell the best penned of the time, and he has writ a very good play. By this day it was extremely applauded. Does he write plays by the day? Indeed, a man would have judged him a labouring poet. A labouring poet? By this hand he's a knight. Upon my recommendation, venture to see it. Hang me if you be not extremely well satisfied. A knight, and writes plays, it may be, but tis strange to us, so they say there are other gentlemen poets, without land or Latin. This was not ordinary. Prithee, he, when was he knighted? In the north, the last great knighting, when twas God's great mercy, we were not all knights. I'll swear, they say, there are poets that have more men in liveries than books in their studies. And what think you, gentlemen, are not these things to start a man? I believe tis the first time you have found them lie at the sign of the page, footmen in gilded coaches. They will want to lodge at the thin cloak. They and their muses made up the family, and then sent scenes to their patrons, like boys in at windows and one would return with a doublet, another with a pair of breeches, a third with a little ready money, which, together with a credit with a company, in three terms you rarely saw a poet repaired. This truth nobody denies. Prithee, let us resolve what we shall do, lest we meet with some of them, for it seems they swarm, and I fear nothing like a dedication, though it be but of himself for I must hear him say more than either I deserve or he believes. I hate that in a poet. They must be dull, or all upon all subjects, so that they can oblige none but their muse. I perceive by this you will not see the play. What think you of going to Sims, to Bowles, till I come? Yes, if you will go to see that comedy, but there is no reason we should pay for our coming in and act too like some whose interest in the timber robs them of their reason and they run as if they had stolen a bias resolve what you will do i am contented let's go walk in the spring garden i'll do it for company but i had as lief be rid in the horse market as walk in that fool's fair where neither wit nor money is nor sure to take up a wench there's none but honest women a pox aunt what should we do there Let's go and cross the field to Pike's. Her kitchen is cool, winter and summer. I like that motion well, but we have no time, and I hate to do that business by half. After supper, if you will, we'll go and make a night on it. Well, I must go right, therefore resolve of somewhat. Shall I propose an indifferent place where tis probable we shall all meet? Yes. Go you before to the devil, and I'll make haste after. Agreed. We shall be sure of good wine there, and in fresco, for he is never without patent snow. Patent snow? What doth that project hold? Yes, faith, and now there's a commission appointed for toasts against the next winter. Marry, they are wise, and foresaw the Parliament, and were resolved their monopolies should be no grievance to the people. Farewell. You'll be sure to meet? Yes, yes. yes.
exuant omnes. Scene three. Enter Wanton and her maid, with her lap full of things. Bid them ply him close and flatter him, and rail upon the old lady and the captain, and, do you hear, give him some hints to begin the story of his life. Do it handsomely, and you shall see the sack will clip his tongue. I warrant you I'll fit him. When he is in his discourse, leave him, and come down into the parlour, and steal away his box with the false rings that stands by his bedside. I have all his little plate here already. Make you haste. I'll warrant you you'll dress him. Exuent. Scene four. Enter the captain with a letter in his hand, and his boy to him with a candle. Is going to write the superscription. Sir, the Lady Lovell passed by even now. The Lady Lovell? Which way went she? To the rich lady, the widow, where your worship dined. Tis no matter. Here, carry this letter, and bring an answer to the devil quickly, and tell her we'll stare there till the time be fit for the design. Exuent. Scene 5. Enter careless, wild, and a drawer at the devil. Jack, how goes the world? Bring us some bottles of the best wine. You shall, sir. Your worship is welcome into England. Why, look you, who says a drawer can say nothing but anon? Anon, sir, score a quart of sack in the half-moon? Your worship is merry, but I'll fetch you that, sir, shall speak Greek and make your worship prophecy. You drank none such in your journey. Do it, then, and make a hole in this angel thou mayst creep through. Gives him an angel. Who is that peeps? A fiddler? Bring him by the ears. Enter the tailor that peeps. A tailor, and it like your worship. A tailor. Hast thou a stout faith? I have had, and it like your worship, but now I am in despair. Why then, thou art damned? Go, go home, and throw thyself into thine hell. It is the next way to the other. I hope your worship is not displeased. What dost do here? A tailor without faith? Dost come to take measure of ours? No, I come to speak with one master jolly, a courtier, a very fine-spoken gentleman, and a just counter, but one of the worst paymasters in the world. As thou lovest me, let's keep him here till he comes, and make him valiant with sack, that he may urge him till he beats him. We shall have the sport, and be revenged upon the rogue for dunning a gentleman in a tavern. Aside. I'll charge him. Here, drink, poor fellow, and stay in the next room till he comes. I thank your worship, but I'm fasting. And if it please your worship to call for a dozen of manchets, that I may eat a crust first, then I'll be bald with a glass of your sack. Here, here, drink. In the meantime, fetch him some bread. Will your worship have me drink all this vessel of sack? Yes, yes, off with it. It will do you no harm. The tailor drinks. Why do you not take some order with that jolly to make him pay thee? I have petitioned him often, but can do no good. A pox upon him. Petition him. His heart is hardened to ill. Threaten to arrest him. Nothing but a sergeant can touch his conscience. Truly, gentlemen, I have reason to be angry, for he uses me ill when I ask him for my money. Jolly, speaking within. 
Where is Master Wild and Master Careless? I hear his voice. Let the coach stay. How now? Who would he speak with? Enter, Jolly. Do not you know? Yes, and be you judge, if the rogue does not suffer deservedly. I have bid him any time this twelve month but send his wife. I'll pay her, and the rogue replies, Nobody shall lie with his wife but himself. Nay, if you be such a one. No more they shall not. I am but a poor man. By this hand he's drunk. Nay, then I arrest you in my own name, at his majesty's suit. As I live, thou shalt not beat him. Beat him? I'll kiss him, I'll pay him, and carry him about with me, and be at the charge of sack to keep him in the humour. He hugs the quart pot. Help rescue. I'll have his body. No bail shall serve. Enter drawer. Sir, yonder is a gentleman would speak with you. I do not like his followers. What are they? Bailiffs? Little better. Send him up alone, and stand you ready at the stair's feet. How can that be? It is the scrivener at the corner. Pick a quarrel with him for coming into our company. The drawers will be armed behind them, and we will so rout the rascals. Take your swords and let him sleep. What, Scrivener? Crop the brownest, he that the ballad was made on. What ballad? Have you not heard of the Scrivener's wife, that brought the Blackmoor from the Holy Land and made him a brownest, and in pure charity lay with him and was delivered of a magpie? a pied prophet, which when the elect saw they prophesied, if it lived, t'would prove a great enemy to their sect. For the midwife cried out, "'Twas born a bishop, with tippet and white sleeves,' at which the zealous mother cried, "'Down with the idol!' So the midwife and she, in pure devotion, killed it. "'Killed it? What became of them?' "'Why, they were taken and condemned,' and suffered under a Catholic sheriff, that afflicted them with the litany all the way from Newgate to the gallows, which in roguery he made to be set up altarwise too, and hanged them without a psalm. But how took they that breach of privilege? I know not. Gregory turned them off, and so they descended and became brown martyrs. And is the husband at dawn now? Yes, yes, but he is married again to a rich widow at Wapping, a wench of another temper, one that you cannot please better than by abusing him. I always pick quarrels with him that she may reconcile us. The peace is always worth the dinner at least. Hark, I hear him. Enter, Crop. Save you, Master Crop. You are come in the nick to pledge your health. No, sir. I have other business. Shall I be paid my money or no? Jolly drinks. Yes. Sir? You asked whether you should be paid money or no, and I said yes. Pray, sir, be plain. And be you so, sir, how durst you come into this room in company without leave? Sir, I have come into good lord's company ere now. It may be so, but you shall either fall upon your knees and pledge his health, or you come no more into lord's companies. No, by these hilts. They tug him and make him kneel. "'Tis idolatry! Do martyr me! I will not kneel, nor join in sin with the wicked!' "'Either kneel, 
or I'll tear thy cloak which, by the aging looks, may be that which was writ for in the time of the primitive church. Pay me, and I'll wear a better. It would be honestlier done than to abuse this, and profane the text, a text that shows your bishops in those days wore no lawn sleeves, and you may be ashamed to protect one that will not pay his debts. The cries of the widow will come against you for it. Remember, sirrah, the dinners and suppers, fat venison and good words, it was fain to give you, christening your children still by the way of brokage. Count that charge, and how often I have kept you, from fining for sheriff, and thou art in my debt. Then I am damned for speaking well of thee so often against my conscience, which you never consider. I am an honest man, sir. Then ushering your wife and mistress ugly, her daughter, to plays and masks at court. You think these courtesies deserve nothing in the hundred. Tis true, they made room for themselves with their dagger elbows. And when Spider, your daughter, laid about her with her breath, the devil would not have sat near her. You did not borrow my money with this language. No, sirrah. Then I was fain to flatter you, and endure the familiarity of your family, and here, nay, fain sometimes to join in, the lying praises of the holy sister that expired at Tyburn. Do abuse her and be cursed. "'Tis well known she died a martyr, and her blood will be upon some of you. "'Tis her orphan's money I require, and this is the last time I'll ask it. "'I'll find a way to get it.' "'He offers to go, and Jolly stays him. "'Art serious? By that light I'll consent, and take it for an infinite obligation. "'If thou wilt teach the rest of my creditors that trick, "'twill save me a world of labour for hang me if I know how to do it. Well, sir, since I see your resolution, I shall make it my business. By tea, let's be rid of this fool. Fool! Let him pay the fool his money, and he'll be gone. No, sir, not a farthing. T'was my business to borrow it, and it shall be yours to get it in again. Nay, by this hand I'll be feasted too, and have good words. Nay, Thou shalt lend me more, ere thou gettest this again. I'll lay my action upon you. Your action? You rogue, lay too. They kick him and thrust him out of the room. Lay three for battery. What have we here? A she-creditor too? Who would she speak with? Enter faithful, wild and careless return and meet her. She looks as if she had trusted in her time. Would you speak with any here, old gentlewoman? My business is to Master Jolly. From yourself, or are you but a messenger? My business, sir, is from a lady. From a lady? From what lady, pray? Why so coy? From a lady in the town. Ho, oh, oh, ho, oh. ho! From a lady in the town. Is it possible? I should have guessed you came from a lady in the suburbs, or some country madam by your riding face. Enter Jolly again. I think we have rooted the rascals. Faithful, what makes thy gravity in a tavern? Sport, it seems, for your saucy companions. Ho, ho, mull, ho. No fury, Faithful. Tis well, sir. My lady presents her service to you, and has sent you a letter. 
there's my business prithee who is her lady the lady love all oh oh does she serve that old lady god help her god help her pray for yourself sir my lady scorns your prayers faithful come hither prithee is thy lady drunk drunk sir ay drunk or mad she never writ this else she requires me here to send back by you the pearl she gave me this morning which sure she'd never do if she were sober for you know i earn them hard i know what do i know you will not defame my lady will you by no means this is by way of counsel fie give a thing and take a thing if he did not perform he shall come at night and pay his scores this well sir is this your return for my lady's favours shall i have the pearl sir no and tell her tis the opinion of us all he that opens her stinking oyster is worthy of the pearl you are a foul-mouthed fellow sir and i shall live to see you loaded gallows when my lady shall find the way to her own again if she miss there are divers can direct her you know adieu faithful do you hear steal privately down by the back door lest some knavish boy spy thee and call thine age board exit faithful prithee who is this thing tis my lady's waiting-woman her board her she-confessor herself at second hand her beginning was simple and below stairs till her lady finding her to be a likely promising board secret as the key at her girdle obedient as her thoughts those virtues raised her from the flat petticoat and kercher to the gorget and bumroll and i remember twas good sport at first to see the wench perplexed with her metamorphosis she since has been in love with all the family and now sighs after the levite and if he forsake her too i prophesy a waiting woman's curse will fall upon her to die old despised poor and out of fashion enter captain why do you not hang out a painted cloth and take two pence apiece and let in all the tame fools at door those sons of wonder that now gape and think you mad tis no matter what they think madness is proper here are not taverns bacchus's temples the places of madness does not the sign of madness hang out at the door while we within possess our joys and cups as full of pleasure as weeping niobe's afflicted eyes were swelled with grief and tears blessing on the cause that made our joys thus complete for see plutus in our pockets mars by our sides bacchus in our heads self-love in our hearts and change of virgins in our arms beauties whose eyes and hearts speak love and welcome no rigid thinkers no niggard beauties that maliciously rake up their fire in green sickness to preserve a spark that shall flame only in some dull day of marriage let such swear and forswear till of the whole parish they love each other least whilst we wisely set out our cobwebs in the most perspicuous places to catch these foolish flies he is in the right dost think we retreated hither to beat a bargain for a score of sheep 
or dispute the legality of votes and weigh the power of prerogative in parliament and club for concluding sack and read the fathers here till we grow costive like those that have worn their suffering elbows bare to find a knowledge to perplex em a pox on such brain-breaking thoughts avoid them and take me into my hand a glass of eternal sack and prophesy the restoration of senses and the fall of a lover from grace which our dear friend master jolly will prove to whom the lady love all by faithful lately departed sent for the pearl you wot of but i hope he had the grace to keep them no no i'm a fool i was not my boy here no we saw him not a pox of the rogue he's grown so lazy your boy is come in just now and called for the key of the back door there's women with him oh that's well tis wanton i sent for her to laugh over the story of the old lady and her purr enter boy where have you been all this while sirrah i could overtake the coach sir no sooner the coach what coach the lady lovell's the lady lovell's why what had you to do with her coach i went to give her the letter your worship sent her the letter what letter that your worship gave me that i writ annette's house to wanton the letter you gave me sir was directed to the lady lovell and she stormed like a madwoman at reading of it the captain threatens to beat him why thou wilt not beat the boy for thy own fault what letter was it twas enough only a relation of the pair when she finds herself sufficiently abused to wanton now gentlemen you have two to laugh at a pox of fooling let's resolve what to do there's no denying for she has all the particulars under my hand you must resolve of something for she's coming and stayed only till the back door was opened how did she know i was here your worship bade me tell her you would stay here for her how came this mistake why the devil owed us a shame it seems you know i went home to give wanton an account how we advance in our design and when i was writing the superscription i remember the boy came in and told me the lady lovell passed by and so it seems you in pure mistake directed your letter to her well resolve what you'll do with her when she comes faith bear a like men tis only an old lady lost let's resolve to defy her we're sure of our pair but lest we prolong the war take the first occasion you can all to avoid the room when she's alone i'll try whether she'll listen to a composition have you no friends in the close committee yes yes i am an essex man then get some of them to move it may be voted no letter ay ay and after tis voted no letter then vote it false scandalous and illegal and that is in it they have a precedent for it in the danish packet which they took from a foolish fellow who presuming upon the law of nations came upon embassy to the king without an order or pass from both houses hark i hear her coming enter lovell and faithful sir i received a letter but by what accident i know not for i believe it was not intended to me though the contents concern me madam tis too late to deny it 
Is it peace or war you bring? Without dispute, if war, I hang out my defiance. If peace, I yield my weapon into your hands. Are you all unworthy? Your whole sex falsehood. It's not possible to oblige a man to be loyal. This is such a treachery no age can match. Apply yourself with youth and wit to gain a lady's love and friendship, only to betray it. Was it not enough you commanded my fortune, but you must wreck my honour too? And instead of being grateful for that charity which still assisted your wants, strive to pay me with injuries and attempt to make the world believe I've paid to lose my fame, and then make me the scorned subject of your whore's mirth, base and unworthy. He smiles. Do you smile, false one? I shall find a time for you too, and my vengeance shall find you all. Yes,、yeah, sir. And you that had such ready wit to proclaim my lady whore and me bought, I hope to see you loaded gallows for it. Once again, is it peace or war? Peace. I'll have thy blood first, dog. Where's my pearl? She speaks to Wild. You ought to write me, sir, in this particular. It was to you I sent them, madam. I sent not for them. No more words. I have them. I earned them, and you paid them. You are a foul-mouthed fellow, sir. Peace, wench! I scorn their slander. It cannot shake my honour. Tis too weighty and too fixed for their calumny. I'll be sworn for my part on it. I think it is a great honour. I am sure I had as much as I could carry away in ten nights, and yet there was no miss on it. You, I think so. There's no mark of my work, you see, and yet I came after thee, and brought away loads would have sunk a sedan man. By this relation, she should be a woman of a great fame. Let that consideration, with her condition and her age, move some reverence, at least to what she was, madam. I am sorry I cannot serve you in this particular. Exuant, jolly, and careless. I see all your mean. Baseness, pursue your scorn. Come, let's go, wench. I shall find some to write my fame, and though I have lost my opinion, I have gained a knowledge how to distinguish of love hereafter. And I shall scorn you and all your sex that have not soul enough to value a noble friendship. Pray, madam, let me speak with you. We'll have no whispering. I said it, and I'll maintain it with my sword. Enter drawer. Sir, there's one without would speak with you. With me? No, sir. With Master Wild. Madam, I'll wait upon you presently. Exit Wild. Madam, I know my company is displeasing to you. Therefore, I'll take my leave. Drawer, show me another room. The captain makes a turn or two. They look at each other. Then he goes out. Oh, faithful, faithful! I am most miserably abused and can find no way to my revenge. Madam, I'll give them Redspain and speedily too, ere they can tell. For that rascal, the captain, has a tongue else will proclaim you and undo your fame for ever. Ay, ay, my fame, my fame, faithful. And if it were not for mine honour, which I have kept unstained to this minute, I would not care. This it is. He will set your affection upon every young thing. I could but tell you on it. Who could have suspected they would have been so false in their loves to me that have been so faithful to them? Enter drawer. Honest friend, where is Master Wild? The other gentlemen carried him away with them. 
Are they all gone, then? Yes, by this hand. These gentlemen are quickly satisfied. What an ugly whore they have got, how she states it. Aside. Come, let's go, wench. She offers to go. Mistress, who pays the reckoning? What says he? He asks me who pays the reckoning. Who pays the reckoning? Why, what have we to do with the reckoning? Shut the door, Dick. To love all. We'll have the reckoning before you go. Why, good man Saucebox, you will not make my lady pay for their reckoning, will you? My lady, a pox of her title. She'd need of something to make her pass. What do you say, sir? I say the gentlemen paid well for their sport, and I know no reason why we should lose our reckoning. What do you take me for, my friend? In troth, I take you for nothing. But I would be loath to take you for that use I think they make shift with you for. Madam, this is that rascally captain's plot. Patience, patience! Oh, for bite at the slave's heart! Friend, mistake me not. My name is Lovell, a lady. Send one along with me, and you shall have your money. You must pardon me, madame. I am but a servant. If you be a lady, pray sit in an inner room, and send home your woman for the money. The sum is six pounds, and be pleased to remember the waiters. Go, faithful, go fetch the money. Oh, revenge, revenge! Shall I lose mine honour and have no revenge? Exuent omnes. End of Act Three.